This week, we are going to share a listener's story. It's a really, really great story. And this comes from a couple that I have known for many years. And I have their permission, obviously, to share this story. And I've known them both as individuals and as a couple. And when this event in their marriage, so to speak, was going on, I was pretty involved in it. I spent a lot of time talking to them. But I want to take a minute and acknowledge the vulnerability in this story being shared. So throughout the story, I'm going to refer to them as Jane and John Doe to keep them anonymous. And in a lot of ways, this is Jane's story. And I want to thank her for letting me share this because it's very, very vulnerable for her to share this even anonymously. And I just want to recognize her courage in allowing me to present this story because she went through, I I don't know if there's really a term for it, but she went through some pretty serious paranoia. Would you agree with that, Mark? When we get into it, after you read the story, I'm going to use a different term. I kind of fits paranoia, but Mm -hmm. I think it fits more with what we call delusion. So, and and there is a difference. And, you know, a lot of the listeners aren't going to care what the difference is, but from a psychological perspective, I'll um, outline what that is. Okay. Yeah. So Jane and John Doe, they've been married for a number of years. And to give you a little bit of context to help understand this story, I need to give you some background about Jane's family of origin. So her mom had a very, very low opinion of men. And as a result, she told Jane over and over, just beat it into her head that men can never be faithful. And Jane carried that with her into her marriage, and it brought up a lot of insecurities surrounding marriage and trust. It created a lot of trust issues. And so there had been episodes before where Jane was concerned that John was cheating on her. And when it had happened, they were able to work through it for the most part without outside help. So yes, it was a bump in the relationship, but they were able to get through it. But then in the spring of 2018, things seemed to change and no one's really sure what the catalyst was that brought this on. But all of a sudden, she was absolutely convinced that John was having an affair again. And she shared this with me. She shared this with some other friends. And I tried to reassure her that this wasn't happening. And I later found out that her other friends also tried to reassure her, but she wouldn't listen to any of us. She was absolutely convinced that he was cheating not only with his boss at work, but with other women as well. And a lot of her other friends, were they were able to be sympathetic with her and supportive of her and said, you know, I'm here for you no matter what. And I support your decisions. Whereas I, on the other hand, I knew John really well individually, and I couldn't give that to her. I couldn't say to her, you know, I'm sorry you're going through this. I know this is hard. I just had to say, look, I am here for you. I will support you no matter what. I am always here for you. But I can't acknowledge this truth that you seem to have. Like, I can't acknowledge that John is cheating on you. I don't believe it. I don't think it's true. And that really put a strain on our relationship for a while, but I couldn't do anything else. I mean, I knew John too well. I had a lot of respect for him. I do have a lot of respect for him and I couldn't indulge this with her. And things kind of just continued to escalate. It got to the point where she would follow John to work to see if he was there. 
she actually considered hiring a private investigator to follow him so that she could get proof that he was cheating on her. And it even reached the point where she would leave her phone in another room or even in her car when she'd go to a friend's house so she could talk freely because she was worried that he had bugged her phone. That is paranoia, just so that does fit. Okay, yeah. So there was some paranoia going on. And John became more and more frustrated. And when this first started, he kind of just blew it off thinking, oh, these are just old securities. But as time went on nothing would convince her otherwise. And he became more and more frustrated. And one of the things that kept him going through all this and kept him with her was his religious beliefs, his religious convictions. He honestly believed that he had made a commitment to Jane. He genuinely loved her. He wanted to stay with her, but he started growing really frustrated. He's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I can handle it. I can't take much more of what she's putting me through. This is just, this is too hard. And I was constantly reassuring him. You have to recognize this isn't your wife saying these things. You know, I would reassure him something is going on. Something is not right with her. No one else believes this because he knew that she was telling other people. And I said to him, these other people know you and love you too. They don't believe her. You have to keep your perspective of what's really going on. And eventually it got to a point where Jane started giving him ultimatums. So she accused him of cheating, but she also accused him of being a sex addict. And so she said to him, I want you to quit your job because she was still convinced that he was having an affair with his boss. And I want you to go to counseling with me. And I want you to check into a sex addiction recovery center. And if you don't do these things, I'm going to leave you. And at that point, John said, okay, I mean, I can agree to counseling, but I can't agree to these other things. I can't, I can't do this. And so at that point, he left it in God's hands. And he said, if this is what I have to go through, if I have to lose my family, so be it. But I can't, I can't do what she's asking of me. And I also want to note that she'd been going to therapy before all of this, and her counselor had even tried to help her see that this wasn't actually happening. He tried to help her see that it wasn't true because he had met with John as well, and he didn't believe it. But I mean, you know, I'm sure you know as a counselor, you can't just tell your client, well, I'm sorry, you're wrong. <laughs> no, no, that typically doesn't work well. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. And so eventually they started talking about her medications and he convinced her to go see a psychiatrist. And real quick, Mark, I want to distinguish for our listeners the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist. You are a psychologist. The difference, the psychiatrist is first and foremost a medical doctor. So a psychi- to be a psychiatrist, you have to have an MD. And for a psychologist, uh, we have a PhD. And so the the main difference is psychiatrists can prescribe medication, although uh, there are in some rare cases where psychologists can do that. If you're in the uh, military, I think psychologists can do that. Okay. But that's the main difference. And so the psychiatrists today mm-hmm. usually just take 15 minutes and they talk about your meds and yeah. they're the ones who do the med checks. Whereas very few of them will engage in the traditional talk therapy. And the reason for that is the insurance companies won't pay for it. And so if you were like in Salt Lake, I can think of two psychiatrists who do talk therapy and their fees are probably double what mine are. Um, I don't know that it means they're any better. 
It's just a difference in degree. And so most psychiatrists, the vast majority of psychiatrists do not do talk therapy, but only do medication management. Right. Which is an important part of mental health. Right. Right. It's an important part, but there are others. I mean, the state is given, I think I've mentioned what they call APRNs, advanced practice registered nurses. Mm -hmm. And many states have given them the right to prescribe many of those psychotropic drugs that psychiatrists prescribe. Okay. Right. Okay. So I, I just wanted to clarify that for our listeners. He eventually convinced her to go see a psychiatrist who was able to talk to her about her medications and switch things around. And it made all the difference. And Jane described it as a sudden realization after about a week or two, she kind of just realized this wasn't true. Everyone was right. He wasn't cheating on me. This was all in my head. And what happened was kind of a culmination of two things. So she definitely developed PTSD. And at the same time, I think the medications numbed her a bit. So she definitely developed PTSD. She developed a lot of social anxiety because all of a sudden she realized she couldn't trust her own mind. Her reality was that her husband was cheating on her. That mm -hmm. was her reality. And all of a sudden she realized oh my goodness, this isn't true. And it gave her PTSD, knowing you can't trust your own mind. That's distressing to anyone. Right. I was just wondering what you meant by PTSD. That's a term that I think we've talked about before that's often misused. I, maybe it wasn't PTSD. Well, she, she, cause she continued talking to a counselor who, who told her that it was PTSD. I don't know yeah. all the specifics of it. I know she got really anxious being in a large crowd and she felt uncomfortable. I think See, that's, that's social anxiety. And so right. as I read the story, mm -hmm. and it makes so much sense that she developed social anxiety yeah. because of it, because that comes from, say, some embarrassment. As you had mentioned, mm -hmm. she had confided in friends and a fair number of people in her world knew about it. Mm -hmm. And I would guess there's, hopefully there wasn't any shame, but I would guess there was some embarrassment about it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the social anxiety makes total sense to me. PTSD, if you're going again by the DSM-5, there has to be a fear for your life. You know? right. And that's what a lot of people don't okay. understand. And so we can have, you know, these big reactions to thing that doesn't, things that just doesn't necessarily make it PTSD. But I, I realize even a lot of, of therapists throw that term around inaccurately. Okay, right. So, I mean, either way or she, she developed a lot of anxiety. And so she became very, very withdrawn. And, and I that had... makes sense, given what she went through. I think it does, just knowing that little bit of the story that yeah. she developed that anxiety total makes total sense. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it would give anyone yeah. anxiety. Oh, so, I agree. Yeah. So what happened is, is she became very withdrawn. And I had several people in our friend's circle contact me saying, what's wrong with her? This isn't Jane. Like, I don't see her anymore. What's going on with her? And I would try to help them understand things are better between her and John now. And, you know, she's working through some things. And what we really need to do is just love her right now. That's really what we need to focus on. And the interesting thing is because I would talk to John about this because I noticed it too. And I said, John, she is so withdrawn. Do you see this? Do you, I mean, does this worry you? And he goes, 
no, because from my perspective, our relationship is better than it ever has been. And so she clung to John in a way that I think was good. It was very good for their relationship because in her mind, she had put them through all of this horrible stuff and he stayed and he still loved her. Yeah, see, and if I would have been in John's place, I think I wouldn't have been worried either. I think that traumatizing is a word which is different, you know, even though you have post-traumatic stress Uh syndrome, it's very different. I think she was traumatized by by the event. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I, I agree with John. I think she needed that. They needed that. They absolutely did. And he said, you know, she wants to spend time with me. She's opened up to me in a way she never has before. Our relationship is fantastic. We're talking more. And in a lot of ways, John really became like an anti-anxiety medication for her. She just felt better being around him. And the reason why I wonder if part of it could have been the medication she was on is because Yes, she went inward, but she almost never smiled. She, for a few months, she seemed to be just a shell of the person that she used to be. And that's why people were calling me and were alarmed. They said, I mean, she's not, she's just not the person that we've always known. Since then, she's back to normal. I mean, I know she still has some anxieties around it because this was only like three years ago, but she's much, much more her normal self. And, you know, she's more social, she's interactive more with people. And in fact, I was talking to John and in the middle of all of this, they also moved and she had become so withdrawn that at church and in their community, she had kind of, she just, she was quiet. And so she didn't really reach out to people like she normally would have. And they recently moved again. And in her new church and in her new community, she's engaging much more socially with people. And he said, you know, I think that's a good thing because she's been a social person and she's always liked to be around people and interact socially, but it was just hard for her. And I think she didn't know how to reach back out to people after she had been so withdrawn. See, I think, you know, what do you do? How do you get, how do you move back in? Mm -hmm. And, and so it makes sense that she would be able to do it in, it's it's almost like a start over, you know, let's go start. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And so, Their marriage has been cemented in this experience. I mean, it's obviously not an experience that I would wish on anyone. And talking to John, I was trying to ask him a question. He's like, it's kind of hard to remember. I've kind of blocked it out because it was an awful, rotten experience to go through. But he absolutely doesn't regret it because, I mean, their marriage is better than it ever has been. Yeah, I think it's amazing what the mind can do with hard experiences, because I'm not surprised at all that, you know, he's he's compartmentalized it. Mm -hmm. But I think an experience like that can certainly bring people together. I mean, here's the the hard thing is that you can go either way. And in in a lot of ways, it's like a couple having a real affair, Mm -hmm. is that often affairs will blow up marriages apart. Now, the the couples that I see typically who've had affairs are ones who want to work on it. And so I've seen couples come back together and they're stronger. I mean, if you think about it, and I think this is true for John and Jane, that there's probably nothing harder that they will go through. And I think on some level, you probably realize, okay, we have just done the hardest thing that we're ever going to do. So, you know, we're we're set in our marriage because nothing's going to be harder than this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because on the one hand, John felt 
oh, I mean, he felt emotionally abused. Well, he, yeah, he probably was. I mean, that's, yeah. that is an accurate term. Yeah. I mean, it's not that he blames Jane for that. I mean, he recognizes and he was very sympathetic to her throughout all of this. As hard as it was, he also understood to an extent what she was going through. He really tried to put himself in her shoes and think of it from her perspective. My husband is cheating on me. No one believes me. I'm completely alone in this. And he was able to see that perspective and really give her empathy but it doesn't change the fact that, I mean, he had these horrible accusations thrown at him that weren't true. And yeah. he was doing everything. One thing I forgot to mention is in an effort to try to convince her, he actually put tracking apps on their phone, a GPS tracking app. So he said, you can follow me everywhere I go. He also told her, video call me. And mm -hmm. anytime, anywhere, no matter what I'm doing, I will answer and I will show you where I'm at. And even that didn't work. She was really, really convinced. And it's interesting because as I was talking to her about this and asking her questions, she was kind of laughing. She's, and in hindsight, she realizes how ridiculous all this sounds. I mean, she realizes like, I can't believe that, you know, she kind of laughed at herself a little bit, but that was her reality. And mm -hmm. that's what she really thought was going on. I was thinking about how do we approach this and talk about it? So I think that the strength and the effects of medications mm -hmm. on us, they're really profound. Yes. And it seems to me in the story that everything shifted when she went to the psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. And then it seems like, I think it's true, the psychiatrist then adjusted her meds in some way. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. I'm not sure what she was taking <clears throat> beforehand, mm -hmm. and I'm not exactly sure what she's on now. But the point is, is she's got a balance correct somewhere. Right. So in trying to make this more general, so she was, you talked about how her family of origin and how she was primed in a way to be distrustful of men anyway. Mm -hmm. And so yes. she grows up with that. And, you know, she, throughout their marriage, she's making some sort of accusations, maybe, oh, you're having an affair, but she's able to come out of it. And that's probably because her, I'd call it her executive function is, is working normally. And she's able to see, okay, you know, be more rational is yeah. what it would be. And, but then she, whatever medication she gets on, what happens is she's got that groundwork still of, I don't trust men generally. But then she's probably taking something that, and it could have been an interaction, or it could have been one medication, it could have been an interaction. And I think it's pretty accurate to say that then that executive function gets uh, impaired because she can't pull herself out of it. And she can't see the logic. Like before, you know, uh, John might be able to say, well, you know, give some say facts about this isn't happening. Here's where I am. And she'd be able to say, okay, yeah, I get that. But, you know, under the medication, the effects of the medication, then she loses that ability. And so I think, you know, to, I had said, it seems more like a delusion, which is pretty much a delusion, but there's some, certainly some paranoia in there where she thought, oh, oh, she left her phone in the car because she thought that, you know, people were listening. That's, that's very much paranoia. But if yeah. you think about a delusion, a delusion is uh, characterized by this unshakable belief in things that are not true. And often there's a continued belief in the delusion, despite contrary evidence. 
So that, you know, fits this exactly, I think, because there is all sorts of contract. Well, and, you know, trying to put a tracker on if you're losing the ability in your executive function to make rational choices, it doesn't matter. You know, she yeah. probably could go around with him 24 oh, she, hours a day and she probably did. could figure out, probably figure out a way, you know, to, to say you're fooling me. And that's exactly what was going on. I mean, she had herself convinced that he was some really great manipulator yeah. of technology. Right. And, and he's like, uh, you've known me for how long? I'm not that I'm on a computer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I, I have to go to outside help for most of my technological issues. How do you expect me to manipulate my phone? You know, how do you expect me to be able to do this with technology? But again, it, that delusion, it had a very firm grasp on her. Yeah. And we think about different types of delusions. Uh, one of them is a jealous delusion. And so it fits in that, you know, extreme jealousy and mistrust. So kind of the general idea is that when behavior changes in such a dramatic way, mm -hmm. it's not necessarily like from one day to the next, right. but over a short period of time, often behavior will change. Well, the very first thing to think about is what is different? Mm -hmm. And so when people come into the office, uh, you know, we do an assessment and part of that assessment is like if they, they present their problem and you want to say, well, tell me the history of it. When did it change? You know, what, when did it get to be more severe? But there's always a substance component. You know, we're, we're, do you use cannabis, uh, alcohol? What medications are you on? And so, you know, when did you start taking these medications? Things like that. And so if you ever experience e either yourself, although it'd be very hard for, you, for a person to see this in themselves because they're yeah. in it. They're in the middle of it and they can't think rationally in the moment. But if someone you love is experiencing that, I would go see a medical doctor first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And if it's a psychotropic medication, then it probably, you know, like she eventually did, which yeah. would go to a psychiatrist because they're, they're going to be the ones to really say, yeah, this is a possibility. That's a possibility. The other thing I was thinking about getting information on medication, I think the best place to get information on medication is the pharmacist. And yeah. so my experience with my own internist is often, they, I don't know that they pay attention either as much attention as they need to, to the interactions or even just the side effects, because they're just looking at a, at a particular problem here, take this pill and this will solve this problem. I've never had a doctor say, and here are the side effects that you might be able to expect. Whereas if you talk to the pharmacist and you give them a list, those guys are really good at knowing what the interactions are and what the possible side effects are. So that's just a piece of information for our listeners that if you're wondering about meds, go to a pharmacist. That's exactly what I do. So I've had questions of like allergy medications. Uh, one time Curtis, he took... He took one type of allergy medication and it wasn't doing anything for him. And he wanted to take something different. And I called the pharmacist and I said, hey, is it okay if he takes these two together? Or I've asked questions like that before. And the pharmacist is the first person I go to. And yeah. I originally did it because it was easier <laughs> to get a hold of the pharmacist because you just call the pharmacy and you say, hey, can I ask this pharmacist a question? <laughs> Rather yeah, and often than... you just walk up. I mean, that's the nice thing. You're in the grocery store yep. you know, and there's a pharmacy and you go up and talk to them. So I agree. 
so I was thinking about another example of that I've uh, of substances, and so the two that come to mind are caffeine, common ones, caffeine, and cannabis. Okay. And I had this young guy come in to see me, and I had I had known his family, and he I think it was the first time he came in because he was going to college up in Portland. And this guy was just, it was hard to describe his behavior, anxious, and he couldn't sit still and, you know, all over the place. And so I do this assessment, what are you drinking? And it's amazing to me how people don't put this together. He was having a couple of cup, cups of coffee a day, but then he liked to work out. He was that age. So he had a pre-workout thing, which has, you know, something caffeine-like in it. And then he was downing maybe two or three Red Bulls. Oh no! Uh, and so it was easily explained by what was going on. And it was the only time in my office I said, we are calling your doctor right now. Really? And we got on the phone and called the doctor because it was that serious. And so, you know, we, we need to pay more attention about what we put in our body. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing about cannabis, that's different. Like if you would have used cannabis, um, say 30 years ago, the cannabis that people use 30 years ago is very different than what most people use now. And I think it's the THC is a psychoactive ingredient. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a lot more THC in the in the cannabis now. And so one of the side effects of that is if you get a, a cannabis that has a lot of THC, a lot of people can become paranoid. And so it, that is a side effect of it. And a lot of people, like it's legal in, well, I can't, I've forgotten where it's legal, but you can go to Colorado. A lot of people in Utah go to Colorado. And in Washington so, State, I know it is. And that's that's where Jane and John live. Not that Jane is doing cannabis. I want, <laughs> I want to clarify I that. I, I know Jane very well, and, and, and I know she'll listen to this story, and I want to clarify. She doesn't <laughs> do cannabis, but I do know that it is legal in the state of Washington. And so I think at least I know this is true in a dispensary in Colorado that you can go and you can actually ask for different levels of THC. And Hmm. I mean, there are different varieties of cannabis. And Mm -hmm. so it's not like it might've been 30 years ago. And I think you have to be very careful about it. So it just shows the power of substances. Mm -hmm. And I would always go to what is it you're taking into your body? If there's been a sudden change in behavior, mm-hmm. that's the first place I go. Yeah. It's to, because you want, you want to know when did this start and what's different about your life right now. Yeah. And I can't speak to any of that as far as Jane, but I mean, I want to just reiterate how incredible I think the story is and the love and devotion between them, particularly on John's side. And I also want to note, this wasn't a matter of just a few weeks. This was going on for months. So what came to mind for me is the power of commitment. Yes. And it is so powerful when you truly are committed to someone else. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot we can go through. I mean, yes, there's love and there's affection, but it's deeper than that. It's more than that. I mean, often commitment, there certainly is a religious or a spiritual component. There doesn't have mm-hmm. to be. Right. But it it's just, it is that commitment that if you feel it so strongly, I think you can go through a lot with, yeah. with another person. And so the other thing I wanted just to touch on is the after effects. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think the embarrassment, the uh, trauma, so... Uh, instead of PTSD, I would just say, you know, she was traumatized by the event. Yeah. And I think it would be so difficult to realize in a way my mind was out of my control. Yes. As a species, we, we really think we have that control and we want to have that control. Mm-hmm. 
But, you know, in this experience for a time, she didn't. And so it made her very vulnerable, I think. And so the, uh, you know, because she shared this with others and she was, and, and others were trying to convince her it wasn't. So, you know, when she had that social anxiety and the vulnerability, that totally makes sense. And I think she needed a reset. Sometimes we need to pull in as a self-protective measure to do that reset. But here it goes back to the strength of the relationship of John and Jane and the commitment because things resolve, but then you pull together and you repair. So there's this repair and there's this healing that has to take place. And that type of repair and healing is best done in the context of a committed relationship. Absolutely. Because you're working with each other to get closer. And so this particular story has a positive outcome. Yeah. But as we, I, I think we all realize it could have gone the other way as well. Not particularly with this couple, but another couple who may have a similar experience. You know, the person could say maybe the commitment isn't as strong and the person could say, I'm out of here. I'm not going to put up with this. And there was a lot of times that John wanted to so many times he wanted to walk away because it was hard. It was hard for his wife to think that low of him. Right. And, you know, particularly when she started calling him a sex addict. I think we said this in a previous episode, mm-hmm. that term sex addict is thrown around way too easily. Yeah. And in all the years I've done this work, I think I've run into maybe one person yeah. who I thought may be qualified for that because there's a very specific definition that we use mm-hmm. for addictive behaviors. And so I, you know, I agree, but to hear it, yeah. that term is thrown out a lot. You're a sex addict. That's very disturbing. And yeah, yeah, very hard to hear. yeah it was, and it was extremely difficult. And he would talk to me a lot about it. And I remember saying to him a lot, this isn't your wife. Something is going on. This is a mental episode that she is having. And I would say to him, if you leave now, you're going to regret it someday. So the words you just used are really important. This isn't your wife. This is, you know, some sort of mental episode. Mm -hmm. See, to me, that's the trigger that says, go get other help. Right. You need to look at what's going on mm-hmm. because if people feel that and, and you know, everybody around her is feeling that this isn't her, this mm-hmm. is something else. It's really important. Let's go figure out what is this something else. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And so I hope that this story can help other couples who are going through something or just, I mean, be a positive experience that in the end of the day, love one in this story and you know and i would say commitment one commitment one yes i always say love is not enough Mm -hmm. it's behavior and to me commitment is behavior and so commitment one and there's a i think i mentioned the guy out of the university of colorado who does research on commitment he says that is the thing that makes a difference doesn't matter if you're married or unmarried that that, none of that part matters Mm -hmm. love is a necessary but insufficient condition To have a long-term relationship, you've got to have commitment. Absolutely. And I mean, this is a story of true commitment. Oh, yeah. And I tell you, Jane's grateful. Nothing but Mm -hmm. grateful to John for staying committed to her. I mean, you know, I'm not at all surprised that she turned to John and clung to him the way she did. The fact that he stayed with her throughout all of this, that's an incredible thing 
for a couple to weather, to go through. Right, but it's incredibly healing and restorative and reparative. And so, you know, a lot of people may, may have been concerned that she pulled in. I would guess it was probably a necessary condition on which to repair. I agree. And I was one of those that was worried and several people were, but, you know, in hindsight, I agree it was really, really good, positive thing for their relationship. And, you know, and it's not like she stayed in that permanent, isolated shell. Right. You know, right. she's come out of it, but it was, I agree, it was important to go through that. Thank you to John and Jane for letting us share the story. Yes, thank you again to them. This was fantastic and Mark and I love stories like this. So if anyone out there has a success story that you would like to share, we'd love to hear it. If you've overcome something like this, we'd love yeah, to Yeah, and just it. stories in general to talk about. I think they're very helpful because if you share this story, you're not the only person who's experienced that particular thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, each story is a little bit unique, but I'm mm -hmm. sure there's listeners out there who are going, oh, man, I've been through something like this. Or maybe yeah. they're going through something like this and now they know. We need to get some help. So yep. Yep. next week, we are going to talk about emotions. So that's going to be a good one. I love Mark, talking about emotions. <laughs> yes, it's going to be a good one. And Mark and I are going to have a little bit of a debate for everyone. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. And we will see you all next week. Have a good week, everyone.